I'm going to be reading out of the book of Judges for my message this morning. And, and all I'm asking you guys to do is listen to and for the word of the Lord. Don't listen to the guy with a strange accent. Um, listen to what God wants to tell you individually today. So open your hearts, open your minds. I'm going to say a lot of stuff. A lot of it is not going to have to do with you. But whatever seems to resonate, don't take it from me because I'm not to blame. Take it from God because God wants to speak to you this morning. If God has not already done so. So listen to and for the word of the Lord as I read out of Judges chapter 6 verses 1 through 18. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. <laughs> okay. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Sounds like two elections. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Wherever the Israelites planted their crops, uh, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and those people would come from the east and attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying the crops and taking everything away all the way as, as far as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, all the goats, all the cattle, all the donkey, everything that they produced. These enemies' hordes <laughs> coming, from their coming for their livestock and tents were as thick as the locusts. That's how they were comparing with. It was that bad. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to even count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all those oppressed, all those who oppressed you. I drove out of this land your enemies and gave this land to you. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in those lands you live now. But you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath a great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joaz of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, this is our guy, he comes into the scene now. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, Mighty hero, <laughs> the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this stuff is happening to us? Why are all these calamities taking place? And where are all the miracles our ancestor told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, replied Gideon, 
How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest of the whole tribes of Manasseh, and I am the least in the entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that that is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away, Gideon said, until I come back and bring my offering to you. And the angel replied, I will stay here until you come. The word of the Lord. I have been sharing with this congregation, those of you who are visiting, a series called Stories of Grace. Stories that really show us how graceful God is, how God's grace manifests in people's life, how God pours out God's own grace, protection, provision, and encourages us to be the best persons we can be, mostly to become like Christ. Stories like this, I like to say, stories like this make a young person grow in faith. Stories like this make an older person walk really straight. We've heard stories already, three stories. We heard the first story was of the wonderful little boy who heard God's voice. His name was Samuel. And Samuel heard God's voice and he learned to listen to God's voice in such a way that he became the prophet of God. We heard the story of the girl who discovered God, Ruth, when she actually saw this family of Jewish people in her land. She was from, from another land and she saw these wonderful people. She wanted to follow them. She recognized God in the lives of these people, so she discovered God and went after God and became actually David's grandmother. We have also heard about the girls, uh, about the, the, the widow last week, about the widow who, who by grace was given an opportunity to believe God. Not merely to believe in God, but she was given the opportunity to believe God and she was richly blessed with the prophet. Today I would like to tell you the story about a boy who grew brave. How many boys, let me, I have here, how many of you boys are really, really brave? I'm not, I wasn't. I was a coward. If it was too hot, I wouldn't go outside. I would find a book to read. <laughs> that was my life. I, I, if there was a fight, I would go the other way. Recently, I was uh, at Lake Lanier with some pastor friends. We were having a meeting, and I getting off the boat, because uh, we were having a meeting on the boat, yeah. Uh, and, and, and suddenly, a group of people are walking through this path, and one of them says, look, there's a big black snake right there. I didn't say a word. I just went way off the path on the other side. But nobody noticed how coward I am of those kind of things. I am a coward, and that's okay. I'm comfortable with that. I've embraced it. But you see, when I was a young kid, I knew that there was a horizon beyond that ocean that I saw every day in my life. I knew there was a horizon beyond there, but I was a coward. I wasn't there until one day I got brave. And I got brave because I read a little book written by Philip Keller. How many of you remember have heard that name? Philip Keller, you ever heard of him? Well, there you go. He, he's a shepherd. He's a shepherd from South Africa, was he, or from New Zealand, someplace like that, way off our land. And, and he wrote one book called A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm. A wonderful perspective on the 23rd Psalm uh, 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 from a shepherd himself. But then he wrote a little book that was given to me when I was 14 years old, and it messed up my life. 
It was called Mighty Man of Valor. And it was the story of Gideon. Now, the story that we have today is a story about a young man who actually finds himself hiding. The story tells us that he's actually in a hole in a wine press. Wine press were caves or holes dug in the ground. You do not thrash the wheat underground. You would thrash the wheat above the ground. Thrashing the wheat, for those of you who are not farmers like I am, I had to look it up in Google. Thrashing the wheat means that whenever we collect the wheat, it has the, those little leaves and those little, uh, you know, little shells, stuff like that. And as you shake it, it becomes loose. So what they would do is they would take a blanket, pull up all of the wheat, and the wind will blow off the shaft, and the heavy wheat will fall down. That's what they were doing. But he's doing this in a hole. Not much wind down there, to be honest with you. So he's doing this in the hole because there is oppression. He's doing this in the hole because he does not feel comfortable being out where everybody is at. Actually, everybody else is also hiding. Because there are some nasty people around the neighborhood. And everybody's afraid of these nasty people around the neighborhood when we shouldn't be. And God... In the form of the angel of the Lord and our great-grandfather of, of the Presbyterian or Reformed faith uh, kind of says, John Calvin says, that the angel of the Lord is actually an epiphany, an apparition of Christ himself. That is why the young, scared, cowardly boy would call him Lord. He appeared in his presence. So this is the first picture of, the Gideon, of Gideon the coward. Gideon the coward, and the, of all the things, he's downstairs, he's hiding because he can't do his job regularly because of oppression, because of persecution, because of people, nasty people taking away their stuff. Now tell me. And then the angel of the Lord shows up and calls him mighty hero in a hole, hiding, afraid, Scared, probably with the word that we now have, terrorized. Yeah, they're hiding. They don't have the freedom that they used to have. In, in the, before that, they were, everything was well. They were, they were farming. They were receiving the crops, and they could not. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree in Ophrah and called him mighty man of valor. kind of contradictory. But this is what we're, going to, what we're going to discover. God usually sees us with the eyes, with a perspective of God's plan for us. Let me say that again. God sees us through the specs, through the eyeglasses, through the focus of Jesus. Let me say that differently. God doesn't see you like you see yourself in the mirror. Not great. <laughs> Join me. Amen. God sees us with his promised already fulfilled in us. That's why God referred to him mighty man, mighty woman, mighty person. Of valor. But the reality is the opposite. Gideon knows he's not that mighty. Gideon knows he's not that powerful. So God is going to show him. And the one thing I like about Gideon is his, well, we're going to see in the next picture. I love Gideon the challenger. 
Because by challenging God, you know what Gideon has done? He's engaged with God. If we run away from God, if we hide and we don't even engage God, nothing can happen because we are running away from the divine presence of the Creator. But suddenly, Gideon engages with God. And, and he engages in two very interesting forms, two very natural forms. The first form in which he engages is his blaming God. If you are really God, why are we going through what we're going? If you are really God, why are we experiencing what we are experiencing? I like that. You know why? God is God and God's not afraid of us. God loves us. God embraces us. And when we begin to be sincere with God, when we begin to be brutally honest, like I say, with ourselves and with God, God respects that. God really respects that because we're engaging God. We're asking questions. We're no longer assuming or running away. We're engaging the divinity. We're engaging the creator. And, 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 and Gideon did it in three occasions. As Gideon is becoming the cowardly boy in the hole to become the great hero of the ages, the thousands of years we're still hearing about him, things happen between the whole and the conquering. And the whole thing had to do with the three challenges that Gideon made to God. The first one was, we finished reading it, let me go. If you are really God, wait here until I come back and I bring some sacrifice. And he went home and he cooked some meal. He cooked some pork. You know, he, you know no, 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 that's right. No, it was beef. It was, thank you. My Jewish friend reminds me, no, Gideon's not going to do some pork. Not, not pulled pork. He may do some, some pulled beef. Yeah. Pulled lamb. There you go. Hit it right there. Some pulled lamb. So, <laughs> Uh oh so, so, you know, he pulled some lamb, you know, and, and, and I think he brought some lentils, and he brought it to the altar of the God. And the first picture up there is the angel of the Lord is actually burning it as an evidence. I am your God. I am carrying the messages from God to you. The second challenge, it was very interesting. God told him, you're going to be a general. Me, a general, I'm the least one of my family. My family is the poorest one of all. We're the weakest of all the tribes, and you're going to call me a general? God does not see you like you see yourself. God sees you like God wants to see you. Okay? And that is the second experience. He goes ahead and he takes a little sponge. I like this one. And he tells God the first night, okay, God, if this is you, and you want me to go beat the living out of those people... <laughs> Then I'm going to put this sponge, and all the dew that didn't fall last night here, all the dew is going to be in the sponge, and the ground's going to be dry. And guess what happened the next morning? When Gideon got up, all the sponge was wet, and if you look at the picture, he's just drenching the sponge. Look at it. He's drenching the sponge out of water. But he didn't stay there. He kept on questioning, and I think he kept on questioning more for his own sake. He was becoming braver and braver, little by little. It doesn't happen all at once. Jesus takes us from glory to glory, from experience to experience, from life cycle to life cycle, in, our, in God's time, as God pleases. So the second challenge was have it all wet. And then the next day he says, now I want you to get wet the whole land, but leave the sponge dry. Uh, and God's like, easy, man. He thinks that's difficult. <laughs> Gosh, okay. He's a kid. He's not creative enough. Okay, so the next morning, the sponge was dry and all the ground was wet. 
The Lord tells Gideon, now go call all the men from your tribe and from other tribes. 32,000 soldiers gathered together. And the Lord said to, to Gideon, get rid of, of 30,000. And 30,000 men left. Then the Lord said, now bring them to the water and have them drink water. And this is what happened. Gideon was told to watch how the soldiers drank water. And he saw two kinds, two body positions. One was everybody kneeled down, and they went down, and they were lapping the water like that. And the Lord told Gideon, if they are doing that, you send them home. We're not judging here. They just drank water that way, and they were sent home. Guess how many drank water this way, with one knee down, one knee up, looking around. Those stayed. The problem was that the ones who only bend one knee were 300 versus 32,000. And now Gideon's got a real issue. He's supposed to beat the Midianites with 300 people when they got thousands. But that's the whole purpose. Mighty person of valor. That's the whole purpose, that God is with us. So it's not that we're going to do it. It's that God, along with us, we're going to conquer the land. That it is God's favor, God's grace in our lives, that God is going to pour God's power in our lives as we engage God, as we engage God in our lives. So easily spoken, he became a hero because he followed God. He became a hero. He became somebody significant. He came out of ordinary life to extraordinary life because he engaged God. Simple as that. I invite you, engage God in your lives. Oh, he started with anger. He can deal. God can deal with that. Don't worry. He started blaming. God's got it. He'll understand you. He will build you up. The angel of the Lord appeared, mighty hero of God. When he was the weakest one, when he was the one who didn't have it, God turned him into a hero, a conqueror. The boy from the pit became a hero. From the pit to victory, from the lower grounds to higher grounds, from the downward spiral to an upward movement, from an ordinary life to an extraordinary life, from fear, doubt, and even terror to courage, vision, and faith, from weakness to strength, from lack to abundance, from a defeatist attitude to a victorious conquering spirit. Mighty people, the Lord is with you. And all of us are called to be in that boat. All of us are called to enjoy that freedom from lower grounds to higher ground, from downward spirit to upward spirit, from the ordinary life to an extraordinary life, from a fear and doubt to courage and wisdom. And this is how Paul describes this. And all of us with unveiled faces, we now see it. Seeing the glory of God as though reflected in our life, we are being changed, we are being transformed, we are being carried from glory to glory, from glory to glory as we move upward in our life, as God inspires us to move upward in, life, in our life. 
the little boy who was scared, frightened, became a hero because he engaged God in his life. May I invite you for this coming week to engage God in your life in some way, shape, or form. Look for God's sign in your life. The first sign I usually get, let me just give you a tip. The first sign I usually get every morning that God is with me. Listen to this. It's when I take that first breath as I wake up. I say, thank you, Lord. Now give me the strength to deal with this. One more time. 